Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. You have to have this foundation. If we're pulling T4, T3 out and cardio is 3,000 cows a week and diet's 1,400 cows a day, what do you think is going to happen? Thyroid's not going to bounce back because there's nothing for it to bounce back to. What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Great Eye Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, and I am joined by my co-host, Emily Smith, today. And we have an incredible listener's Q&A, 19 questions with clear and concise, detailed communication to you guys about my thoughts on each of them. I love doing these episodes. Thank you all who sent a question in. Find out inside if we answered yours. I can't wait to chat with you guys. I'll see you there. What is happening, everybody? Q&A time. These are one of my favorites because you guys give me direct feedback on exactly what you want to learn from the podcast. So my lovely co-host of the day, Emily Smith, is here, underscore the Slayer on Instagram. And we are going to give you exactly which one. We've got 19 questions, and I'm going to be as clear and concise as I possibly can be. As always, this is not medical advice. You should always chat with your doctor before taking any of my advice. That being said, let's hop right into it. Emily, question number one. Do you have your lifestyle clients get blood work? When is it needed? Yeah, it's just as important for lifestyle clients. So with it, like an enhanced contest prep client, we're, as soon as we have the organ functioning kind of down pat, we're really monitoring that endocrine system. We're monitoring stress response. And with our lifestyle athletes, like we want to make sure that that stress response is really positive as well. Um, so we want cortisol to be in a good range. We want inflammatory markers to be in a good range, like RT3, we want ferritin to be in a good range. We want the vitamin uh, profile to all look good. Um, so lifestyle clients, it's just as important as uh, prep athletes to get it done. With prep athletes, you know, it's kind of like we're making sure we're not pushing PEDs too hard. We're making sure we're not driving the thyroid into the ground too hard or, or the opposite. We're trying to make sure that we're not forcing the thyroid to do too much in an off season phase. We're trying to make sure the A1C and insulin stay good uh, throughout an off season phase. Obviously in a prep, A1C and insulin are going to be really good. Um, we're, we're looking for 
more physiological response to the training, the cardio, the peds uh, that we're doing for lifestyle people. Like, dude, like life's happening. Like you got kids, you got relationships. Um, a lot of competitors, you know, they, they're fortunate enough to like work in the industry now. Um, and like this job definitely comes with stresses and whatnot, but like we do work on our own schedule and we're kind of our own boss. So like, you know, lifestyle people commonly don't have that. Like they have actual jobs, they report to where I work with a lot of high earning CEOs or high achieving individuals who, you know, that obviously comes with a lot, um, of stress and things going on. So we just want to make sure that everything is, uh, staying uniform in terms of their health. And a lifestyle client, you know, fixes are usually pretty quick. Because there's just like a little bit that's going to be off here and there. Um, so it's just as important for them to get labs done. Um, you know, if you're if you're not on any form of HRT or whatever, I'd, like twice a year is probably pretty good to do. But you need a full panel, not just like a CBC. Like you need the full panel. Um, that's what I have my athletes get. I send them, I send each of you guys that um, like my company that literally does, has the exact panel <laughs> that we need that has everything in there. So just as important for lifestyle people. The worst is when you send them that link and they still get just the CBC done. <laughs> I sent you a link that all you had to do is click on, purchase, walk into LabCorp at any time, whenever you want, and they do it. Yet, you're like, well, I wanted to save a little money and go through my insurance. Great, great. Because right under that link in the starting protocols, it says your doctor and your insurance will not request these. So now we have to go back and we have to purchase the $270 panel that I'm already giving you a $70 discount on. And we have to do this whole process again. That's so frustrating. Amino Asylum, injectable BPC, good stuff, question mark. I think everything that Amino Asylum puts out is fantastic. I, I use so many of their products. Like, I should show you guys, Christian, when we go to the house, I should show them my stock of Amino Asylum. I literally use eight of their supplements a day, like every day. Like, I have so many of my athletes on it. The BPC is phenomenal. I have seen the same benefit from the nasal BPC as I have the injectable. Um, my favorite things for a contest prep are the nasal BPC and the nasal TB500, and they're pricey, but they make a monster difference in the quality of the prep and the work that we're able to put forth. Great for injuries, great for inflammation, just phenomenal overall. And I know like you can search and you can NCBI and search the effectiveness of nasal I'm telling you from my experience with hundreds of people using this and the doctors that are in my circle, there's three doctors in my circle I'm very tight with. The nasal stuff is just as good as anything else, especially if you have any form of gut dysbiosis. If we're like taking an oral form uh, and honestly, for a lot of injectable forms too, that's going to go through the gut. It's going to have to go through the stomach and it's going to have to go through the liver. It's going to have to go through these things before it actually gets into an effective mode for your body to use. Whereas nasally, you can kind of start like deliver it to in, in, in a usable format right away. Um, so I honestly, I prefer the nasal and Again, in prep, there's already so many injections going on. <laughs> it's like, like, damn, we got to do another one. So you're more apt to miss that. Uh, whereas the nasals, they're like, you wake up in the morning, you, and you just like spray it as you're sniffing, I guess. I guess that's called like a no sniff. Sp no spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a sniff. Yeah, it's like you're doing a little bit of 
you know, blow or something, but you know, that's for another topic. I don't know. We're not doing any blow on the podcast today. I promise that. <laughs> Maybe today. next time, tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take too much GDA's food increasing, but weight drops and I am eight weeks post-show? Definitely. You can take too much GDA. Um, I will say it's a little bit difficult to do such, um, but post-show, I'm not 100% sure the use of an actual like, GDA supplement just because you're already in such an insulin-sensitive state that the nutrients you're taking in, like they're going to be used anyway. So all you're really doing in that situation is setting yourself up to potentially go hypo because I'm assuming like your food's not insanely high at the time. But I wouldn't worry so much about the scale. I'd worry more about how are you feeling, how are you recovering, and how are you training. And if those three things are good, then... I mean, I, I would, I would assume that, that you're good. Like if you get labs done, like eight weeks post-show, is that what it said? I think so. Yes. Like get labs done and see how things look. Like you should be good there. So do you like GDAs throughout prep or just like an off season phase? (sighs) I used to use them so much more than I do now. I think I use them like year round, but my food's always high. Yeah. Your food's always really high. I used to use them a ton more. I like berberine HCL. I definitely like that more than metformin now. I used berberine with a few athletes. Yes, I love berberine. Um, great, great effects on gut microbiome health as well. Um, I, I, I think it's fantastic. I think alpha lipoic acid is really, really good also. Um, I think Ceylon cinnamon is really good. Um, but... I, I, I'm not as huge on actual G, like full spectrum GDA supplements anymore as I, I guess I used to be. Um, I feel like if you're training really hard and you're staying somewhat lean, then like you're, you're, you're fine from an insulin component. So, Given that L-carnitine works as a fat mobilization device rather than increasing metabolism or so it seems, would using it during a mass phase make sense as a backstop against adding more fat mass than intended. I don't know if it really works that way, but if not, is there any benefit to using it in a mass? And if so, what kind of dosage? 100% there's still a benefit from that. It would be the same doses as we use in a contest prep. It's going to help you mobilize more fat. So in, you know, an off season phase, you have more fat to spare than you're going to like in a prep, right? Cause in your prep, you're already, you're already in a deficit. You're already dropping fat. Your body's already looking for other ways to supplant that with other energy that it can put in there like protein or carbs, right? Um, or amino, uh, amino acids uh, or glucose, I should say. So in an off season phase, it's absolutely going to help you stay leaner. Um, I find that it also really helps facilitate pumps in the gym as well. Like I really like carnitine a lot in a pre-training situation. Um, I have my people use the new ethics liposomal carnitine in their pre-trained meal because you need to take it with some sort of insulin bump um, uh, for it to get delivered into the muscle. But I think carnitine in an off-season phase is really fantastic. You're going to see it help you stay leaner. And it's like when you're doing little things like you're hitting, you know, 12,000, 13,000 steps a day and you have that carnitine in you, you're going to have the bridge um, between your, your fatty acids and the mitochondria open. So that bridge is open for service. So it's obviously much better to have that open for service than closed off, um, you know, while you're hitting things like low intensity cardio and steps and things of the like. So yeah, there's very much so a benefit to that. And you'll absolutely stay leaner from that. In a perfect case, how much weight do you want to gain right after a show and how fast or slow? 
So similar to the question about the GDAs, um, uh, I wouldn't worry so much about the weight gain. I want biofeedback metrics to be great. Visuals. How do you look? Like, do you have water retention? If so, we need to address that root issue. Do we have... um, uh, do we have pumps that aren't good? Do we have brain fog? Do we have digestion that's gotten a little bit loose? Like stools are super loose. What If we don't have anything bad happening and the training is good, the recovery is good, the sleep is good, the strength is coming back, um, <laughs> you have to assume that you're headed in the right direction. Um, like you don't want to put fat on super fast. Um, I know the guy who asked that, I believe his name is Matthias and he, um, he got real lean for a show. So it's like, you know, him up 15 pounds from this conditioning, he's going to look way different than he did the last time he was up 15 pounds. Like if you actually get peeled for a show, the weight's going to come back. Like Brad Helm, who just competed in Chicago and probably had the best conditioning of the entire show for the whole weekend. Like he's up, uh, I think. What, oh, 13 pounds already. And all we did, we just brought in a little bit of insulin post-show, three I use pre, three I use post, because we got four weeks on the next contest. We want to get way better. We brought in a little bit of insulin, and he just looks absolutely insane. But he's still peeled. He's grainy as hell. Lower back's completely peeled. There's no water retention. Like, he just looks nuts. But it's like people be like, damn, like he's up 13 pounds in like um, five days. Yeah, five, yeah, five days is when he won. Five days ago is when he won the Chicago uh, Pro. He's up thirteen pounds. Like that sounds terrible. Like, nah, it looks great. It looks incredible on him. So I'm not worried about that scale. I'm worried about making weight again <laughs> in three weeks. How do you look? How do you feel? At the end of the day, that's what matters. I remember after nationals, it was like a week post, and I was up like six pounds, and my weight doesn't fluctuate yeah, that much. No, and I was like. I feel like that's way too much, but I looked literally just as tight as I did on show day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like it, it just doesn't matter much. And it's like your body's in such a depleted state. And like, especially if diuretics are used to, there's going to be a bounce back. I, I don't remember if you and I use diuretics. Obviously, Brad, Brad and I use the tiniest, tiniest amount because when you're truly peeled, you don't need a ton. Um, but there's going to be a bounce back from that. Um, and I, I can't really explain that exact physiological mechanism of what's happening, but there's a definite rebound that you can harness coming out of diuretic utilization uh, that can benefit your overall physique, your overall look, the training, things like that as well. So yeah, that's a good question. When doing unilateral you know, work, should you train to fill your own both sides or just weaker sides? Yeah, super common question. You're training to fill your both sides. Your body's a homeostatic machine. It wants to be perfectly equal, but that's not realistic. Like there's three of us in the room right now. If we take our measurements for each bicep, for each quad, they're going to be a little different. They're going to be similar because your body wants them to be, they're going to be a little bit different. If you take a video of yourself barbell squatting from perfectly behind you in like an upward angle, like, so like as you sit down and back, you're like sitting into the camera, you are going to be able to see from the bottom when you push up, that there's a hip shift, a very mild hip shift. And like, I, I mean, I know I have it. I, I feel it happening in my right lower back right now. Same thing with deadlifting. One side is just going to happen a little bit faster or more sudden than the other side. And that's super normal. In this perfect world, everything would be perfectly symmetrical. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. So you want to take both sides to failure. And over time, 
there's going to be an even out. I remember when my right bicep was four tenths of an inch bigger than my left bicep. So that's a super noticeable difference. Um, this is back. Um, this was around when I moved to Austin, actually. And I worked with a trainer who had a newbie because I just identified this is just a connection issue. And like, man, like I trained this arm and it feels different than when I trained this arm. So I had the newbie attached to me and I would like train this arm. I would train both arms with the newbie, but like I would train this arm and then that connection was coming in. And now to this day, I still have that. So that helped me build the muscular connection that I needed to have resilience through all of my training. Um, so when doing unilateral work, like if your right leg is 22 and your left leg is 16, there's so many variables that go into that. Um, did you walk up steps with your left leg more than your right leg that day? Like, did you do your right leg first and your left leg second? Did each leg get an opportunity to be like for your body to be fully rested going into the set? Oftentimes people do unilateral work and they just like hit their right leg and then they hit their left leg. Like, dude, hold me. Holy crap. You're like really missing the mark with that. If you're doing unilateral work, like specifically for legs, you finish one leg and you... Like, you should need a full rest period. I have 10 minutes in between dude, each leg. Dude, like, <laughs> I don't get it. And I get these training videos from people that just, like, stop one and put the other one up. And I'm like, do you think that's hard? I know. You didn't do anything hard. Like, if you can just casually, like, go into the next leg, then, like, that's that's work sets that that leg's performing. Like, it's not just your leg. Your entire cardiovascular system, your immune system is being taxed. Your nervous system is being taxed. Your air is being taxed. Like, your lungs. Like, you got to recover all this before you hit the next leg. It's way more than just, like, the localized, you know, situation going on there. So, take them to failure. Over time, your body's going to, like, equalize things out can you make any progress in the gym if your gut health isn't under control so the reason i wanted this question to be included is because we're missing the forest for the trees here you have bad gut health fix it training progress should be the last thing on your mind the training progress doesn't matter you have poor gut health every single thing that's getting put into your stomach is not being used right let that sit with you. Every piece of food that you chew and swallow is not being used right. Every supplement that you take orally is not being used right. The water that you put into your stomach is not being used right. I mean, dude, holy crap. Like if you do deep belly breathing and you have gut dysbiosis, you're not going to be able to to get your vagus nerve to activate the way that you want it to. Your tra training progress doesn't matter. You, you have gut dysbiosis. Like, you know, the fastest way to fix gut dysbiosis is pull down every single stressor that you possibly have. The most ideal route is you don't train. Like, you just, like, do some light cardio. You sit in a sauna. You're, like, ice cold uh, contrast. Um, you hit some steps in the sun. Like, we're missing the forest for the trees there, but that's how people are. They always want to make training progress. And that is completely unrealistic. I'm the same way. Like I just want to train, 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 yeah. but not being able to train. Yeah, that sucks. But having gut dysbiosis sucks even worse. And it's I getting, promise. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know very well. <laughs> like it's only getting worse. Yeah. So like I, my people in, in protocols for gut health, you know, every other day is a rest day. Training is like max six work sets with four RIR type situation. Um, 
But ideally, I would just be like, well, this first week of the protocol, you take off the gym. The second week, you go once. Third week, you go twice. Fourth week, you go three times. Fifth week, we can go, you know, four times, but real, you know, keeping this effort scale back. And then, like, you ride that out to the gut. Dysbiosis is gone. The issue is, I mean, I'm not blaming anyone or pointing fingers because four would be pointing back to me on this one. But, like, we just can't take time off the gym. Like, that's, I got this back injury. It's just completely hampering my ability to live and do anything. And I'm, like, I'm training. I literally told Thomas, say, I was, like, the only time my back feels good is when I'm training. So like, I'm just going to keep showing up and training. <laughs> like I wake up at three this morning and I'm like, dude, no way it hurts this. But I said it out loud. I woke up, I pulled my eye mask, fucking nasal strip was already half off. <laughs> Rip it off. Take my mouth tape off. And Peyton's just cuddling with me. And he's looking at me like, damn dad. <laughs> a little early for this. And I was like, I just, I can't fucking believe how bad this thing hurts. So I just cuddle with Peyton. <laughs> it was like the perfect morning. <laughs> and then my hatch went off at like 5 a.m. I was like, guess I got to get up. <laughs> Couldn't fucking get up. My back hurt too bad. <laughs> How far post-contest slash diet should you drop T4, T3 to let thyroid function return? Yeah, this is another good question. I know I've chatted about this, but it's been a really long time. I would love for us to post this on the uh, Grow and I podcast page. Um, so we have it to reference. When your cardio, when your output gets low and like to a, a, a pretty low set, like a thousand, fifteen hundred calories of, of cardio output per week, steps are maybe down to a normal baseline, eight, nine, ten thousand. Food is up to a place, you know, for women, ideally, like what, like 2,000 cows might be a benchmark for some, maybe 2,200 for men, like 35, you know, 3,600 cows, something like that. That's when, like, now we have built the foundation for your thyroid to recover. Obviously, you need to have New Ethics Thyro Boost Plus, um, New Ethics Thyro Boost Essentials in play. Go Mahalia at checkout to support your boy. I like using morphogen adaptogen when we're fixing thyroid stuff as well. I think morphogen adaptogen could honestly just be used like year round. Uh, Code Mahaley there as well to support your boy. Um, I, you have to have this foundation. If we're pulling T4, T3 out and cardio is 3,000 cows a week and diet's 1,400 cows a day, what do you think is going to happen? Thyroid's not going to bounce back because there's nothing for it to bounce back to. Your cardio output is forcing your weight to not move because your food is so low, your cardio is so high, that why does your thyroid need to bounce back? There's no foundation for it. So stay lean, stay tight. But if you really nail a reverse, within like three, four, five weeks, we should be able to like start coming down. I will say like post-show, I have been just go ahead and I take T3 down to 12.5. And I'll take T4 to 75. Some, I, I might keep it at 100. Um, but I've just been taking T3 down 12.5. And like now let's recover like that rather than I used to take T3 down 25, which is like a very normal dose for it to be. But I just go ahead and take it low. And now I'm forcing your body to start responding via other mechanisms as I'm pulling the cardiac output down. And raising the food up to not put on excess body fat. Um, I also think people simply just feel better from that. Um, I feel like I have a great system to harness and master rebounds now. And like having higher T3 would just like get in the way of that. So like that's how I personally handle it. But starting to reverse, like 
if, if your feedback is you need to build muscle from the show, I'm taking T3 down 12.5, I'm bringing insulin in, and I'm putting that food up, and you're going to train your ass off. <laughs> you're going to train your ass off. Like, we're going hard. I'm, I'm probably going to pull out, like, progestin-type androgens, because at that point, you probably just use trend. Like, a guy just used trend. Um, and, like, a girl, it you know, depends on what was going on there. But, like, I'm going to use some high... How much testosterone can you handle without having adverse effects? And have a DHT in there to have some non uh, um, non-aromatizing compound. And I'm going to see what we can get out of this. Um, if the oral run wasn't super harsh for a prolonged period of time, I love bringing an oral in there too. But harness that, 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 that post-show phase is about improving. You can get healthy while improving because what your improvements are, you're building that foundation. Well, you need, you need low cardio output. You need high food to improve, to build muscle. Um, and you know, we're setting, we're setting the, the diet up like that. So Lantis once a week on lagging body parts or every day in lower doses to manage blood glucose off season with GH. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I saw the first part of this question. I didn't see the last part of this question. Insulin and GH is just, that's the best synergistic thing that you can, assuming there's like for a male, there's testosterone in play. I mean, if you're using GH and insulin, <laughs> You, you like you're you're in deeper than just testosterone, right? For a female, like GH and insulin alone can be fantastic. Adding in a, a little bit of Anavar, Turinabol, something like that can be amazing as well. A little Primo, um, but uh, Lantis on a lagging body part day, cool. I think that's great. Um, personally, I don't use it like that very often. I'll I'll commonly do higher insulin on a lagging body part day because that's where I'm going to put in like free meals and stuff like that. Um, and you know, we, we, if insulin's in play, we'd like to keep fat. I don't want to say like as low as possible. That can be misleading, but like, we definitely don't want to have fat like high because if your insulin is high, Lantus is a basal insulin. So it's like 24 hour life. So you take, if you take Lantus 7am today, you're covered till 7am tomorrow. Right. So everything you eat in that period is going to have the propensity to be stored because insulin's high. Now, it depends on the dose. Sure, if you're only taking 20 units, like as a male, if you're only taking 20 units, I wouldn't be that concerned. Majority of females handle 20 units just fine. Um, but if we're taking like 60, 70 units of Lantus, you know, as, as a guy, or maybe like 30, 40 as a chick, that's, a, that's you know, you're getting into high ranges. Let's keep that fat as low as possible because you're going to store it, right? You're, you're in a storage format. How much protein can you eat? How much carbohydrates can you eat? But I don't, I think the line of thinking here is great. I also just think we can better use it if we like use it throughout the week. Or if we just have like a, I do this all the time, a basal insulin, so Lantus, and let's call it 20, 30 units. And then I'm going to use Humalog in the pre and post meals. Hubalog's faster acting. It's going to be out in maybe 90, 120 minutes or so, but it starts hitting about 15 minutes. So I'm going to take that 15 minutes for a meal. I like running dosages. This do not do this unless you have a damn good coach who can help you. I like running dosages that make you mildly hypo because then that starts hitting and we can crush food. Like, dude, you might not be very hungry. As soon as you're even a tiny, as soon as that blood glucose drops down to 70, 69, 68, you're, uh, trust, you're hungry. And you are going to destroy that food. Like, I want you to eat it as much as you possibly can. And 
that's how we make use of it. That's how we grow. And as soon as you start eating, as soon as that, that gl um, glucose hits your bloodstream, like you're going to feel better. Uh, man, I love that. You see, you, you see me with the applesauce. I, I, I'm at the point of the off season now where I have this 24 ounce, these 24 ounce jars of applesauce. And I just stick a straw in it and I just drink it down. It's um, 146 carbs or something like that in the whole thing. Um, and I do two of them a day. And every day I just, I take my insulin. I make like six, seven ounces of chicken. I make some rice and I have my waist shake and I just drink applesauce and eat the food. <laughs> and like I wait till I'm like tad hypo and I just start getting after it. Um, I mean, I just showed the YouTube today. I got 6,500 cows to eat a day, dude. Like I got to drink applesauce to get that because <laughs> I want fat to be low because I'm on insulin. So my fat every day is under 100. So I got to eat that much in protein and carb. So and I, I think that's how you should set up when you're using insulin. Um, but like I, I love using a basil and then I love using the short acting insulin through other times of the day. I think it's super beneficial. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of people that are scared of running insulin because they're scared of going hypo. Like you start so small. One of my mentees that I'm helping, um, she's uh, about to run insulin for the first time. And one of her girls I was helping and she was like, I just like, I don't, I don't know like where to start, but two IUs. If you don't know what your sensitivity is, like, dude, you take two IUs and like, you're not really going to feel much of anything. Like, it's two IUs fast acting, you're not going to feel much of anything. Like, take that with your pre-meal, you know, give it a, a couple days a couple of days go by, no issues, bump it to three. A couple of days go by, no issues, bump it to four. Like eventually you get to a point where it's like, okay, like I was feeling a little not well there. So go back down one IU and you're probably going to settle. And like for a female, like she's using it for a female, probably going to settle like four or five IUs in that meal. Um, I mean, I do the same thing for guys. I usually start at like four IUs, but you know, usually they end up like 15. <laughs> so right? like, like, yeah, you felt a little hypo, but like, like how hypo yeah. and they're like no i can handle more they're like oh <laughs> like let's run it like dude i was i was uh oh, I, I screwed up the other day uh, not the, it was the other week i talked about it briefly in another podcast but these q a's grabbed so many people i uh put out my gh dosage but in insulin yeah i injected 30 units of humalog i remember that yeah bro that was bad that was bad that was so fucking bad and i make my meal i go about my business i've never once in my life done that it, i was really stressed out about who knows what i was yeah just whatever i took that and i was sitting there and i was like oh <laughs> yeah, that was that was humalog. That wasn't that wasn't the growth. Like the growth is sitting right in front of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't, I didn't take that. I took humalog, and I have nothing. I don't keep. I, di I didn't keep anything in my house. Now I'm like very prepared. It's like I was. I was an idiot. Like I tell everyone, my athletes keep shit in your house, and like I didn't do it because I'm like hollier than now, right? Like whatever. No, actually, I did. I had a bunch of Gatorades, and then I had all the boys. Over. I was about to say we yeah. probably drank them all. Yeah, and then, the, <laughs> and then the boys drank all the Gatorades. So actually, I had none. So if I would have died, it was the boys' fault. Because <laughs> like I don't think any of them knew they were full sugar Gatorades. <laughs> like they sure were. I get those twenty four <laughs> yeah. packs. Yeah. Like yeah, you got nine dudes come over. Like of yeah. course they're all gone. It's only two per. You know, so. Anyways, I, I called Danielle. I'm like, ASAP, I need 
sugar. And she's sprinting the royal blue and she grabs some sugar and she grabs a, a full sugar coke and brings it over and I'm just crushing it. <laughs> like I'm just crushing everything. I had so much I had so much food. I probably crushed like five or six hundred carbs till they get back to a normal state. That was rough. Yeah. I love talking about insulin. That's a good question. This is from the same person. Uh bolus GH first spread out during the day. Context is off season with insulin in play. Man, yeah, I used to spread it during the day often. Uh, if you're only doing like one, two, three IUs, and I like doing a little uh, like morning, evening, but man, you're using like five, six, like more than that. Like, dude, your body's going to use it. Like, you, you, any time of the day you shoot it, if you have legit GH, your body's putting it to use. Like, it's, it's, it's going to work. It's going to do its thing. In a perfect world, yeah, we spread it out. Like, I do... I'm not going to say how much I do. I do a bolus GH every day. If I spread this out all day, that's that's four pins a day. On top, I already pin a lot. So, like, I, I think of it in capacity of, man, like, how many times are you sticking yourself with a needle? Personally, I hate it. That's my least favorite part of bodybuilding. So I want my clients to just, like, how convenient can we make this? Um, so, like, I think it's perfectly okay to just do it once in the day. Yeah, in a perfect world, we'd split it up. But, I mean, that again, that's going to be like three or four shots a day on top of everything else that you're shooting. Um, so I, 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 I have this weird moral line with it. Like, dude, like you're sticking a lot of syringes in you at a certain point. And I just, I don't love it. So take it all at once. I like this question. What's a goal you have most people don't know about? Fuck. <sighs> I was supposed to give that way more thought. <laughs> um, I want to be a highly sought out public speaker because I know that I'm really freaking good at it. Like, I just feel so at home in front of an audience. Like, I feel so good. I'm really entertaining. And I have some really good stories to tell. And I think I have a lot of, like, things that um, I've been able to experience in life that could just help a lot of people. And like the podcast helps me channel some of that, but like there's way more. And like the podcast is like, dude, like I'm in a room with three cameras pointed at me. Like there's no audience. Like there's, I'm not talking to actual people. Like if we could record live podcasts in front of people, that would be insane. And I would, I would do even better at that. But I want to be a highly sought after public speaker. That'll be my next career. Like, one day I'm not going to be like a high volume coach anymore. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work with some real high performing individuals at a high ticket price. And, and, and I'm going to you know, work with really good competitors, like people like yourself that I really believe in, actually enjoy working with. Um, and like, I'm going to public speak and I'll be damn good at it. Might be a DJ too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a really good question. That's definitely something that um, I intend to put more effort into. And I think some of the stuff that we're doing on the YouTube and the podcast is going to um, be able to correlate to that happening. Goal is to compete two years from now. When do you suggest switch from lifestyle to prep coaching? The moment that you ask that question. <laughs> it's go time. Like, you got two years, I do. That's going to fly by. I think how fast the last two years went. You got two years. You got to start, like, you got to start getting after. You got to really start, like, making the time count. Like, treat it like you're already in prep. Like, 
This doesn't mean you need to be like some militant like soldier, you know, with everything, but like choices either get you closer or take you further from the goal. So like make choices to get you closer to the goal. And even if you don't have a coach guiding you, we all are somewhat intellectual human beings. If you're listening to me on this podcast, I think you're very intellectually um, uh, well off, but we all have positive decision-making capabilities and critical thinking to where, yeah, you know what? This does get me closer to the goal. Or no, you know what? This takes me further away from it. Just make decisions, get you closer to it. It's really not rocket science. So start ASAP. What awakened your passion to help others? Why does it mean so much to you? Oh my goodness. I love this question. I shared it with um, a friend of mine recently. I had a client back at LA Fitness. And uh, when I started being a trainer there in Cincinnati, and when she came to me, she couldn't do anything on the like training floor. She was so fat and out of shape and had so many injuries and just like awful things happening to her. So our first session, we walked up half the stairs. That was our session. Then we just like walked around the gym. Yeah. Second session, I was like, hey, we're going to make it all the way up. <laughs> She's like, oh, I don't know about that. We make it all the way up. So there was these stairs, and, like, it was a decent-sized staircase. I bet there was I bet there was 40 steps. And so, like, we get around that halfway point, and she's like holding on to the rail to get herself up. And I'm on the other side. I'm not big at the time. I'm like 180 pounds at the time. And I mean, she's like, she's 400. Like she's ginormous dude. And she's holding on to me and she's like, like pushing against me and like pushing against the rail, to like get herself up. And I said, we're going to get all the way to the top. I think it took us, it probably is an exaggeration now because it probably in hindsight seems way more than it was. But like, I bet it took us 20 minutes to get to the top of the stairs. Like we were sitting there resting and she was like resting on the rail and like holding me and like, I'm fucking like, I'm trying to act like this is like, I can, I'm capable. <laughs> Fuck. And like my abdominals were very sore. So we got all the way up to the top and then the issue was getting back down. So, so we didn't go back down the stairs. We took the elevator down a level to get back down. Um, but she was so proud Getting to the top of the stairs. Her name is Monica. Um, I remember her last name as well. I never forget her. And she was so, and it just stuck with me. And I thought about it all night. I went home. I talked to my roommate, and I was like, "This woman was so proud to get to the top of the stairs. Like she was never going to do that without me encouraging her and pushing her. Like, dude, I had to manipulate her into continuing to go. And like she's dripping. And. I don't know, man, that really like clicked it. Um, and long story short, you know, you fast forward um, before she moved to to North Carolina. We were together nine, 10, 11 months and she dropped 100, 150 pounds and she had a whole new life and she was like able to do things. And yeah, it was over 100 because she was uh, in the twos when she when she moved. And I really hope that she stayed with it because she made a lot of progress. She she started in such a sad place too. Like she wouldn't smile, she wouldn't laugh, she wouldn't anything. And then like by the time it was she was like moving to North Carolina for a career change, um, like she was smiling, she was laughing, like she had personality and whatnot. So I hope she stuck with it. But that was really like the catalyst of oh my goodness, like that's when personal training went from like this. Like I work with a bunch of lazy weak people at LA Fitness to like. 
damn, like I changed her life. Um, and then there, you know, from there, there was a lot of other instances. Um, you know, bodybuilding was never really supposed to be part of the equation, but um, I, I, it kind of found me um, and like took me that path. But that's really what ignited it for me. How often should how often should coaches be in communication with client and prep going on four weeks of no communication? Yeah, I already I responded to this woman earlier. I hope by the time this podcast comes out that she's working with me because holy crap. Um, I got more context. I shouldn't share it because that's a private conversation, but for like four weeks, like she, she wants to be in a contest prep and there's no feedback. There's no nothing. Um, I, yeah, that's not right. I mean, you know how I am in preps. It's like very, I think we're checking in like multiple times a week and holy crap, you want to see me again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and like day by day type situation at a certain point. I mean, I just had Bree check in like four straight days. She's six weeks out. She checked in like four straight days and every day she didn't know the plan. So like, it's also pressure on me. Like I got to be on it in the morning. <laughs> like as soon as that update comes in, like, like when you don't know the plan the next day, like she's waiting on the plan. So I got to get on and like be on it. And I don't love being on my phone early in the morning. So it kind of ruins my routine a little okay. bit, but like, you get to it and 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 you get back to the athlete. Like, um, I think you should be in communication multiple times a week once it's like really go time. I would say within eight weeks, yeah, like there should be probably multiple times a week to see what's going on. I think within like four weeks, it's man, I like a lot in four weeks. I want to see. I, I have people send post cardio pics, post training pics, get a pump and send me pics, pics after this meal, pics after that meal, whatever. Um, and like, that's when things get really intense. Um, but like, you should definitely have a clear vision and direction. If you're in a prep, um, communication should not be an issue because you're going to get to peak week and it's going to suck here. It's a show day. You're not going to know what to do. Like, it's not going to be a good situation. Can you retrain the ways to not be blown out with people who overweight lifelong? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the abdominal, they're just muscles. They're just muscles under there. And really, if you're overweight for a long period of time, your abdominal muscles are pretty, probably a little bit more built up than like a normal fit individuals would be because they've been carrying all of that weight in the trunk. So it's like constantly having that attached to it, having to carry that around, support it. The issue is going to be the skin, you know, um, the loose skin is going to be a big deal. I have a, I have a couple people I'm working with right now that are on some massive weight loss trips. I think um, by next time I see Jonathan, he's going to be down 60 pounds. Uh, this athlete, um, we're down like 25, 30 pounds, but like just completely different look. Um, I, I, you can make the abdominals tight. Like you can definitely get a six pack or an eight pack or whatever. Um, there's going to be more built up visceral fat. Like once you get lean, you're going to have to address that with these people. Um, but the the skin's kind of going to be the issue. So I, I do recommend, like, might as well start training it. <laughs> like, get some hanging leg raises when you can. Hit some, like, light cable crunches. You don't want to force hypertrophy there. You just want it to be trained. Um, it's like some high rep work and make it really burn. I think that's probably a good way to train abdominals. News about oatmeal being bad for gut health circulating. True. Yeah, I saw that. Um I listened to some of it, but he was also going through one that had a bunch of additives to it. Um, 
I just had a client message today that's like, hey, you know, the oatmeal we added in in the evening is giving me like a large bowel movement in the night and like my digestion is great. And it's like, when you're working hands-on with so many anecdotal experiences, like, you know, you can, you can say whatever when you're like floating off over there and like, well, this is bad for you. This is bad for you. That's like great. Find it well. Um, but like, like I'm in the trenches with these people and it's working really well. Well, and it works really well for her, but oatmeal fucks me up. So. Yeah. So it's also <laughs> very individual. Yeah. Like, how do you feel when you have oatmeal? Like, what do you experience when you have oatmeal? You feel good, then it's good. You feel bad, then it's bad. And it's 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 not like one blanket statement, but I definitely would not go as far to say that oatmeal is like some problematic food source. Like, I would say it's the opposite. Like, there's way worse things to eat than oatmeal. And if we're going to eliminate everything that has bad exposures to it, then you're not going to, you're going to be drinking water. Like you're not going to have food options left. So like you tell people oatmeal is bad. Well, guess what they're going to fucking do? They're going to get Cheez-Its, you know, they're going to get, or they're going to get cereal. Are they going to like, like dude, like it's, it's apples and oranges. Like could things be more perfect? Yeah. The American food system is just not though. There's billions of people that need fed and prices are a little bit outrageous already. So like, I don't know. Some corners need cut here and there. And if you have the monetary um, uh, abundance to shop at places that that's not an issue, then like do it for sure. Um, I mean, I go to Whole Foods for a lot of things, but a lot of things I go to Whole Foods and I look at the price. I'm like, I'm not spending nine bucks on this. It's like two from HEB. So then I pull it up on HEB and then I pay someone five bucks to drop it off at my door <laughs> and I really only save two bucks. But it's in my head, it was better than spending nine freaking bucks on For you thing. to go pick it yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not going to HEB. I go to Whole Foods. I ain't going to HEB. There's, there's stupid people there that get in my way. <laughs> I don't, I don't like how they operate. What's something you wish you would have done differently so far this year? You know what's funny? When I first saw this question, I actually had something that came to my mind. But now that it got asked again, I just kind of like had an epiphany. Like, nah, dude, like anything that I have done this year that I like might've done different, like did it led me into exactly where I'm at right now? And like, there's like some, professional happenings that have gone down that were probably less than ideal, but I handled them as best as I could. And I gave everything that I could have possibly given. And I don't regret giving that because that's just how I operate. It's like, I just give people everything that I have. I love that about me. I think that's like what you guys like about me too. It's like, Hey, when you're with me, you get a lot. <laughs> And like a lot of people get mad when they're not with me anymore because you get zero. <laughs> it's a hundred to zero. And I often get mad at myself. Like, man, like, why do I give people so much? And like, this happens. But like, dude, like, I don't, at the end of the day, like, I, I love humans. I love the human experience that I'm having. I love being able to share that human experience with people who are in my life, whether it's short term or long term. I was just having this conversation with a friend, David, last night. 
about romantic relationships. Like what I'm in, interested in right now in romantic relationships is short-term relationships. A long-term relationship sounds terrible to me. I want like three, five-month experiences where like we're going to make each other's life fucking incredible. We're going to teach each other things. We're going to like have an amazing time. And like then I'm going to take something from it. You're going to take something. We're going to learn. We're going to move you know forward in a very cordial and friendly directive. Kind of like what I do. Like that's, that's, that's what I do. I'm friends with all my exes. Like how's that happen? Like it's communication. It's intention. Not everything's going to be a long-term relationship. You know, like some people will be with you three years and you guys, you know, break up. Some people will be with you 10 years, you break up. Some people will be with you two months, you break up. Um, I, I choose to give you everything I have to give while you're here. Christian's in the room. I choose to give him everything that I can give while he's here. And I love that. One day, we might not all be here anymore, but we're all going to look back and be like, damn, you know what? We all gave each other everything we had. And like, that's the beauty of life. And that's the beauty of how I, like, I love that I operate that way. Like, my heart is not just on my sleeve. My heart's like on your sleeve, <laughs> you know? And like, I like that I do that. So like, at first I was like, you know what? Like, I probably wasted some energy in people that didn't deserve it. But no, if you're in my life, you deserve that energy. It's like, that's how I operate. That's how I lead. Like, I always talk about leading with love. And like, more people need to do that. More people need to be able to set their ego aside and lead with their heart and, and, and truly good intentions with people and truly love people. And I mean, at the end of the day, like people can say whatever they want about me, but if you've been in my personal life, you know that I have so much love and I love being able to like give that to people. Cause like you, for example, I'm not sure you've ever felt that kind of love from somebody before you and I had that. And like Christian, I have no idea if Christian's felt that kind of love before from somebody before. Like I can give you guys that. I can empower you guys that. I think that's sick. Cause then you guys give it to me. And like, I've never experienced, like, it's all different. The way you and I love each other, the way me and Christian love each other, it's also different. So it's like, like, that's part of the human experience is like, I'm just going to play it out there. And if people leave that, that's great. If people say that's great, but like at the end of the day, we control how we respond within ourselves. And it's the only variable that we can really focus on. And so like my answer is, I wouldn't change the damn thing. I um, love what I give. It also doesn't give you the opportunity to look back and think, what if I would have gave that person mm -hmm. more? Yeah. No, I don't have that about anyone that's worked with me as an athlete, anyone that's been um, an employee of any of, of the companies I'm affiliated with. I, I don't, I can't look back anywhere and be like, you know what? I could have done, but like, I, uh, no, I, I could definitely have done better in places, but I couldn't have given more. I, I, I gave everything that I had and man, it's exhausting. Like it's tiring. Um, you know, I, I talked to Justin Jacoby about it. Um, often like he's very similar to me. Like he just goes hard for his clients, for his friends, for himself, for everything. And it's just like all the time, like, People don't understand how tiring that is. Like some people listen to this, like, you know, you might have your your boyfriend, girlfriend, you might have your friends, your social group, you got your employee. Like, dude, I got 150 athletes. We've got 36 employees across all, all of our companies. I've got a huge friend group. I've got 20 male friends that I'm tight with that I talk to every single week. I've got 10, 15 female friends I'm tight with and talk to every single week. Like, dude, I got 215 people that are like 
getting so much from me. I love that, dude. I can handle some more. <laughs> I can definitely handle some more. Like, you want to be part of my group? <laughs> like, come on in. <laughs> Application of Aromadex and women's preps and how much is too much? Um, I like I use it at the end. This wouldn't be some prolonged thing that I would use. I think there's better options. Like, yeah, sure, like Novadex is a fine option, but you have to understand with all these things, like there's going to be some, there's going to be like negative feedback occurring with it as well. Like it's going to crush cholesterol. Even if you take things that are going to help cholesterol, it's going to absolutely crush cholesterol. Um, so I, I, I don't want to keep it in long term. Um, if Nolvidex just isn't quite getting the job done, there's a little bit more uh, like estrogen that we want to drop off. The reason we want to drop that estrogen off is because estrogen is going to be protective as it's going to settle mostly in places that have higher fat deposits. So you can view it as like it protects, quote unquote. This isn't the exact way for the explain like I'm five version is going to protect the fat that's accumulated there um, in the adipocytes. So if we cut it down, we have more access to those things. Again, this is the explain like I'm five version. We have more access to those things. So Novadex inhibits the conversion. Arimidex like cuts it completely. Um, so Arimidex is much more potent than something like a Novadex or a DIM. Um, I prefer to use Aromadex when something like progesterone is in play for sure. Um, but I think starting with like 0.25 milligrams, um, you know, every other day and then working from there is probably a good place to start, but it's going to be really person dependent. I, I would not do that if I, they didn't have a trusting eye watching over it. So. This is the last question. Why do you think so many bodybuilders are passing away so young? Yeah, yeah. I wanted, I, I originally didn't want to include this question in here, but I, I mean, I, I just, I don't feel like there's like more bodybuilders dying young than there are in like other sports. I don't, I, I think it's magnified because like we focus so much on bodybuilding, but it's like, I mean, if we focus super hard on the NFL, like look at people who've like retired from the NFL and are dying. And you can sit there in your car and be like, well, you know, like they're getting paid and they're getting hit and they're getting exploited. Like, dude, it's not a lot different. Like all competitive sports kind of have this happening. In bodybuilding, there's things that accelerate it. Like I always say this, when, when you're born, there's a certain amount of ticks that your heart has. And you can't really add ticks to that. You can definitely take ticks away from that. Well, things that we know take away from that, um, speeding your heart rate up, which like stimulants are going to do, clenbuterol is going to do, like thyroid's going to do. Having super physiological amounts of muscle mass, that's going to, you know, weigh down your heart, weigh down your organs, make your heart work harder, things like that. Anything that makes your heart work significantly harder throughout the long haul, not just short bouts like exercise. If your heart has to work harder all day, then it's, it's not a good situation. Everyone knows this. You don't start bodybuilding to gain as much muscle as possible because you want to live to 100. Like, you just don't. Like, there's a certain level of mortality that you have to accept before you get involved in the sport. Um, I prefer to live, like, 20 years of lion versus 100 years of sheep or, like, whatever that analogy is. I think other people do, too. Um, I have a fear of, like, getting old. And like, it's not like I like want to die when I'm 50. Like, that's way too young. But like, I don't really want to be 90. <laughs> like, Me either. <laughs> a halfway point would be like pretty ideal, I think. Um, so I, I just, I just don't. 
I know that it gets magnified. I know every time someone dies, like steroids, like, dude, it's, it's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. Like, testosterone doesn't directly make you die faster. Are there back channels from it, from abuse of it that can? Yeah, we can agree with that. It's not like, like, trend's not going to prolong your life, right? But trend's also not going to, like, kill you, right? Like, you, there's not an amount of trend that you can inject right now that kills you. It just wouldn't. There's long-term exposure over the long haul that's going to kill you. We know this. This is the same as like working in a factory, working in a, in a place with high pollutants. This is the same as um, being sedentary all the time, prolonged exposure to being sedentary, prolonged exposure to anything that can have negative health consequences is going to have negative health consequences. And like you're taking steroids all the time. You're adding thyroid, you're adding clin, you're adding whatever. This is normal. Like let's talk about the guys that are that like bodybuilded for 20, you know, 30 years that are in their 80s. They're fine, right? Like they're okay. Um, I think it just gets magnetized because people hyper-focus on it and they want to believe that it's like some bodybuilding thing. But this is systemic in every sport and every competitive venture that there is in, in, in America, at least. I mean, I don't know about on the world spectrum. Prolonged exposure to stuff that's not good for your health is going to cause issue in the end, period. So if that's steroids, it's steroids. If it's, you know, Poor breathing quality is poor breathing quality. If you're a firefighter, it's fighting. It's the fire that you're fighting. It's the whatever you're doing for a long period of time, it's going to end up harming you in the back end. So it is a really good question. It's 19 really good questions um, that we answered. And if we did not get to your questions, I apologize for that. You might be able to check a YouTube video where we answer the rest of them over there. I guess you have to stay subscribed to my page to find that out. But as always, we appreciate you. Emily, thank you for being my incredible co-host for the day and delivering the questions so well. Until next time, you guys, I hope you enjoy. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you're watching on the streaming services. I'll see you next time. Peace.